Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Adam Thackeray back with you for episode four of the Ways of Working podcast. I know last time I said that we were going to get into communication as a you know very nice segue between flow of work and then into comms, but uh, I had a, a conversation over the last little while with uh, a super intelligent individual. He's a colleague and friend of mine um, in the learning space and you know, the dialogue went along about, you know, when are, we, when are you going to get me on the podcast? Because I had asked him uh, quite a while ago. And uh, so I was very, very delighted that he wanted to come on and do an episode and have some great conversations. And so uh, today we're going to we're going to skip communications. We'll do it a little later on in the interest of having great guests on board. And with that, I give you Mr. Matt Ash. And so Matt Ash is a force for change in the world of learning. He is passionate about improving the experience for everyone at work. And so his progressive approach to management and learning design has resulted in three years of significant growth for his team. Uh, so Matt works at an organization called MediaZoo, which is located in the United Kingdom. Um, super successful organization. And after reinventing MediaZoo's approach to transform results for clients, Matt is now focused on solving even bigger challenges across the entire industry. Uh, one of those being L&D's engagement problem, another is delivering effective learning strategies, and lastly, supporting businesses in time and unprecedented skill shortage. So we all know that talent is the number one or definitely one of the top three problems that exist for organizations today. And so Matt's, uh, Matt's tackling that as well. So under Matt's uh, stewardship, in just three years, MediaZoo Learning has been recognized as a top two provider at both the Learning Technologies Awards and the LPI Learning Awards, amongst others, as well as the two most prestigious corporate film awards in the world, the Cannes Corporate Film Awards Grand Prix and the New York Film Festival, The Grand. Uh, they've won a boatload of awards. I mean a boatload. If you haven't you know, seen it, go check it out. They produce very slick content, very slick solutions for their clients. Uh, it's quite amazing. Um, Matt recently just also uh, published a report which is available on LinkedIn and we'll add that to the show notes as well. And so, you know, it's been successful over the last two, you know, number of years for them. And 2020 is looking to be, you know, bigger and better for, for Matt and for MediaZoo. So without further ado, let's get into conversation with Matt Ash. Thanks, Adam. Um, thank Yeah, thanks for having me on. And so, uh, you know, one, one of the things, and, and you know, we, we had talked about this and, you know, you're giving some, some great feedback, with, you know, with the, how the podcast has been transpiring so far. And, and one of the things that you had noted that, that you liked was quotes. And so I, I found a, a really good quote to, to kick things off. And it says, any fool can know uh, the point is to understand. And so the, the origin is, is unknown, but like many things on the internet, it's often attributed to Albert Einstein. And so, you know, we hear this about, you know, that people are supposed to be evolving their skills. You know, people are looking to understand things. AI is here and it's killing all these jobs. You know, roles are going to be vastly different in a decade. Um, but people have apparently forgotten how to learn. Like, can you go into, you know, why have people forgotten to learn or why do people have such a hard time with it? Good question. Um, you know, I think uh, that kind of quote sums up a lot of things, isn't it? There's, there's different levels of, um, of where we are with, with um, when we explore topics. Um, I don't think we've forgotten to learn. We'd be, we'd be dead. Um, you know, we <laughs> Um, <laughs> learning is is inherent in our you know in our system uh, to 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 exist. I think what we're forgetting is that in a job, 
um, the motivation to do things is not the same as it would be in life. Um, and I think that we all forget that when we're pushing a brand or whatever, we, you know, that we're interested in, we, we assume that others will be interested in it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge bit is that when I'm at work, I don't really care as much as I do when my washing machine breaks. So <laughs> I will go to YouTube, uh, yeah. you know, to fix that at work, I probably won't. So we need to rethink how we approach these things because um, we all agree that, you know, telling people uh, doesn't create a, a, you know, a a positive atmosphere of work, which leads to, um, you know, a whole manner of of, of poor outcomes. Um, So if we're not telling people what to do, you you want these self-determined learners, Um, but you can't just assume that they all care and want to be there. So we need to work harder to, to get them to, to bought in and understand what's going on and why. Um, that's a very convoluted and long answer to your question, I think. No, but it's great. It's, 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 an inter- it's a great segue because one, so one of the things is that, you know, often, you know, learning is misunderstood in, in business. And, and to your point, it's, it's very different in learning uh, in a context at work or business versus in the personal life. And, you know, there is that, you know, rethinking the approach and, you know, we need to change how the focus is there. You know, why is learning so, you know, misunderstood in business and, you know, you know, and, and then the second follow up to that is, you know, why does learning continue to shoot itself in the foot, if you will, or be its own worst enemy um, by not rethinking approaches and, and helping the business side of the world to understand what learning is all about? Another good question. Um, I, I think the, the kind of issue about um, learning being misunderstood in business for me I think it's a, you know, we, we hide behind an intellectualism um, where, you know, our skills are, are protected by, by a barrier. And that barrier has just created this world of kind of confusion. And mm-hmm. so where we, and, you know, and then when we have a lack of capability, we can blame it on the complexity and the difficulty. Um, and so rather than, you know, well, let's focus on three things and make sure we get them right. We'll say, look, we've got 30 things and we've just got to get something out for all of them. And, and you know, it's kind of a, it's a cheap fix that's easier to do. And so uh, maybe these, these are complicated uh, problems um, because there are lots of inputs and outputs and things like that, that that can adjust it. But we're not really giving them the care and attention that they need to, to, to see if it succeeds and kind of just, you know, we're human. We're just trying to find the easier way out, I think. Yeah. And, and, um, ultimately, I, I don't want to dismiss anyone's, anyone's job because they're probably overloaded. You know, you've got loads of things to do. But yeah we need to kind of transform the mindset a bit and go, well, look, we can't do 15 programs in a year, but we can mm-hmm. do three and we can yeah. really make them work. And uh, ultimately, you know, we, we can build change slowly over time, which is what happens in life rather than trying to buy one and done um, ideas. And, and maybe that's it is that we think that training is a thing that happens and then it's finished when actually yeah. it, it's an ongoing process. And I think that's important, right? Because it's, it's perceived and, you know, I've been part of many large programs as well. And, and it's often seen as a checkbox. So I give this image of like this, you know, old ragged teddy bear that's been kind of left behind um, because it's not given to your point, the, the attention that it needs and, and, and the focus and, and shifting. So how do we, how do we, sh- how do we change that? How do we uh, make it so that, you know, people have a greater appreciation uh, towards, you know, the values and outcomes of the business and then joining learning to that or focusing learning to that so that in the end, learning is solving the problems of the business. It's not 
you know, perceive as a checkbox or, uh, you know, a ragged old bear that's, it's not a necessity or, or something that's part of the, the resolution versus a side item. Yeah, I think we, we've spoken about this before, haven't we? The, the kind of organizational dev before training uh, or OD before LMD. Yeah. Um, a lot of this is, a, is about job setup, isn't it? Making sure that people's roles are adding value to the company. Yeah. Um, and then you all, need to do is, all you need to do is help them do their job. Um, so part of it is KPIs. Um, training teams get bonuses because they deliver content or because they complete projects. So they're going to carry on trying to hit those measures, whereas we need to pay bonuses on effectiveness. Um, you know, little things like that will make a huge difference. Um, I've not been in a position to try it. So, I, I, you know, I, I sort of what I'm saying is sort of much more philosophical, I guess, or, or certainly... Um, um, well, no, not entirely though, right? Because like you can, like organizations are moving towards team-based performances and team-based performance, um, you know, bonuses and, and you know, how, how you're recognized within the organization is becoming team-based. And the reason for that is because, you know, similar to, you know, a sports team, you don't win the, cha- the one person doesn't win the championship, the whole team wins the, cha- the championship. So to be a, a high performing organization i think what you're saying is relevant and is there that you know you should be paid on your performance and the value that you're delivering as somewhat an individual but more as the organization because in the end you're supposed to be tying everything back to the business that you're working for because it's not your personal life it's you're working for a business to make money save money grow a product whatever it may be right yeah yeah and 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 i'm really interested in this as as a kind of concept really about you know, we talk a lot about intrinsic motivation. Um, mm-hmm. And I think intrinsic motivation at work and people want, you know, the, 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 all the, the research and the books talk a lot about, you know, autonomy, purpose, um, clear uh, success measures and, and things like that. And, and, and it all makes sense to me. But I yeah. think that, that makes you enjoy your role at work. What it doesn't do is give you, give you a you know, particular drive and purpose necessarily. Yeah. Um, so there is a, a, another level of it, and and that's where I think your extern, you know, your extrinsic things like pay and um, success measures. I get what I say. Probably come into it is that, you know, it's like banking where where we reward the wrong things and you get the wrong behaviour. And so we need <laughs> a lot of work and research into what are the rewards for L and D uh, internally and externally that will drive us to focus on performance or behavioral based outcomes and not just I ticked the box because we created right. content and delivered it. Yeah. Um, and part of that is as well, you know, we deliver complex programs and when you're dealing with a procurement company, the procurement company have a set of measures, which are project delivery. Um, they don't really care once it's gone live. And so we've got to flip the mindset of actually yeah. the, the work. I mean, the work doesn't start once it's gone live, but you know, for us, we, our model in the kind of agile space is we've got a plan do review um you know iterative cycle but it's a it's a kind of a micro and a macro cycle because we plan the project then we go into dev and then we launch it and review but when we're in dev we do plan do review as well yeah so um you know there's there's i think we 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 focus on building something nice and then kicking it and actually we need to spend a lot of time planning or the appropriate time planning the appropriate time in dev and the appropriate time in implementation once it's once it's launched as well so do you think that, you know, because the, the, there has been this started to, you know, greater focus on learning, you know, CEOs have recognized, you know, we need to start looking at, you know, developing talent, talent is such a shortage. And, you know, now that, you know, they're starting to recognize a little bit with these, you know, you know, billions of dollars spent on transformations that, 
you know, we do need to focus on learning becoming an ongoing piece with those feedback loops. Um, do you think it's a fad or do you think, and uh, you know, and it's gonna fade away, you know, it's, it's like this cyclic thing that's popped its head out of the, like, oh, we should pay attention to this for, uh, you know, a few quarters or something like that. Or do you think that, you know, we're gonna actually move towards being truly learning-based organizations um, so, so that, you know, organizations can be competitive and, and flourish? Uh, or is it fad and it's gonna be, you know, like the 80s that'll come and go as you will, or, you know, in, in a cyclic fashion? Yeah, I think same with many things. L and D's never gone out of fashion. It's just changed names. I mean, um, when did Peter Sens write the the fifth discipline? Um, for, a was long it, time was ago. It, <laughs> was it the eighties or the seventies? I can't, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, but you know that that that's where he was talking about learning organizations then, and that term's just been picked up. But we, you know, I, I think um, L and D you know, Nick Shackleton Jones and David James talk about it a lot where, um, you know, courses and, and things, they're like a reward for, we got to make, you know, show people that we care. Therefore we put them on a training. Um, yeah. and you know, and I think that's, that's an issue that that's sort of separate to this. Um, but it's, but there is a cultural problem with how it's perceived. Um, the big interesting part about, I think this question for me is during the, what, 2008, 2009, um, with a global kind of recession, um, I was yeah. freelancing mm -hmm. as, a, as a learning designer and I lost all my work because the first thing all the companies did was stop spending on training. Um, and in the UK, um, especially in the last 10 years, productivity is flatlined. And I'm pretty convinced it's because of lack of um, investment in training and development. And, um, you know, there's lots of economist um, figures to kind of show how that, you know, that story can be told. And so I really feel that, that companies are aware of that and it seems, and, and you know, this is just from my clients and conversations is that as they're getting squeezed currently, because the climate's very similar, um, you know, it, it feels, especially with our current political environment um, in the UK, um, certainly um, companies aren't, they're actually looking to invest more in, in training because of this skills gap. And I think the skills gap is real. Um, you know, I think there's people like Carl Benedict Frey who wrote a book called The Technology Trap. Um, you know, these are very intelligent people who've looked at, you know, hundreds of years worth of data and, and, and pulling together very, very interesting stories and, and, and projections. Um, but obviously, the, I, you, you speak to one person and another and you get a different story about what, what um, automation will bring. But I think the reality yes. is automation <laughs> will bring new job roles and new skills. And that whether or not it makes get loads of jobs or removes loads of jobs, the jobs that there are will be different from the ones we've got now. And we need to be ready for them because um, I think the ultimate part is that you will lose your job and someone else will be doing it because they're prepared to learn the skill. So coming back to that lifelong learning piece and needing to learn, um, mm -hmm. you know, I guess it's about consciously learning or, or, or um, you know, doing it out loud that we, there's a skill we need to get back to of choosing to learn rather than just doing it um, you know, um, as part of a natural cycle of living. And what are some like, do you have some like tactical or immediate ways, you know, people can, you know, start to ingrain the sort of lifelong learning practices or, or, you know, curiosity, if you will, into the fabric of their day-to-day -day work lives. Like, is, do you have some, you know, a couple quick wins that people can look at or, or start to do? I've, I've got ones that work for me. Um, they don't necessarily work with my team and I think they, they kind of disagree, but it'd be good to get your, your ones as well. But for me, I, I, um, I'm my own worst critic. So, uh, you know, I like to try and believe that I don't believe 
what I'm saying. And, um, you know, it's just, just challenge, you know, is what I'm thinking right, you know, and then just sit back and, and look at what you wrote or published or created and go, did it work? You know, really actually reflect on it in a, in a kind of objective way, if you can. Um, that's pretty tricky. So I guess the other thing that we put in at work, lots of just lots of communication and peer review and things like that to, to enable the opportunity for the conversations to come up where um, people can challenge each other. Um, and I, a big thing that we do to try and remove bias when we're in projects is, um, is excuse me, is um, doing pre-mortems. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we get together and we dream up the project as if it was a massive failure. And then we write down all the things that went wrong and it helps us just be aware of some of the silly mistakes that we can make in a project um, and hopefully just um, preempt them and, and, and put in some process in place that will avoid it. But so that's kind of, so yeah, there's lots you can do as a group, but personally, mm -hmm. I think just, you've got to just pay attention to what you're doing and, and constantly keep your eyes out. And I know that curiosity thing is a bit, um, a bit passe now, but um, the more input you get and the more you filter it and, and actually analyze it, um, the, the more it will come in handy in the future. Absolutely. Well, I think people like try to overcomplicate the curiosity thing. Like it's, and those are, those are awesome examples. Like the, the whole reflection and you know, the, the pre-mortem piece, I always think like that too, as going into, you know, programs or whatever I'm doing, I'm like, well, not everything, but most things are definitely in business. I'm like, what is the worst thing, catastrophic, you know, shit storm that can hit us? Um, and then how do I reverse engineer that? So then I have, you know, plan A, B, C, and D, because that allows you to think out of the, me personally, anyways, to think out of the box and have, you know, multiple permutations of situations, which inevitably leads me to go research a bunch of ways to understand that. And I guess personally, I come to a conscious point where I say, okay, I have enough for me personally to make a decision or progress from there. And sometimes it's a little bit, and sometimes it's a lot of information. Um, so I, I really like that piece. Um, yeah. but, but the curiosity thing, like it, to your point, it's people just have to go and learn, like read books. Like I'm a slow reader. I have a really hard time reading. Um, but I have like, I don't know, a stack of 40 books sitting in front of me, everything from, you know, born to run, which is about, you know, these tribes in Mexico that used to run ultra marathons to, you know, I have half a dozen, uh, you know, AI books in front of me. Some of them I've read, some of them I haven't. Um, but it's just, it's just reading. You just have to read and consume um, conversations with smart people. So you begin to, well, that, that, that's kind of like how we met in, in a way. And I'm, you know, a, a while back, a number well, a, a couple of years ago, I guess now almost it is. And as that I, you know, you and I both know Lori and we were introduced that way. And so I, I'm always interested in conversations. I can talk to anybody, um, which is good and bad, I guess, depending on <laughs> your perspective. But uh you know, I, I learn from people because, you know, we have these types of conversations and, you know, you will never know everything. So as soon as people kind of get over the fact that you're never going to know everything, someone is always going to be, you know, quote unquote, smarter than you in a particular area. So once you kind of get over that, you know, ego, if you will, and you just say, look, like, you know, the world is full of stuff to learn. You will never know, you know, everything um, and you can do anything, but you have to pick and choose and then you just have to keep at it and it, it never stops and it's part of that discipline and persistence of just keeping at it taking breaks and, and learning comes in all different forms so don't don't restrict yourself i guess as well right like you can learn by going for a walk you can learn by meditating you can learn by 
doing martial arts. So there's all these different areas that I try to, I guess, I'm just open to all various, you know, facets of life, I guess. So it, it doesn't limit myself and, and my perspective and wanting to learn and grow. And I guess that's just the way I've always been. And so that helps me to never stop learning, I guess is the easiest way to put it. And so with that, it's, I'm always curious. I can just never consume enough. And maybe that's a greed thing. Maybe that's a good thing, but that, that those are definitely some of the ways that, that I go about it. Yeah, totally. You know, it's um, the, I, I, if you want to get smarter, don't read L and D information. Um, it's <laughs> the more you know, the more you can learn outside your field. Um, the more you'll do interesting things and make new combinations, um, yeah. and come up with new ideas. But yeah, well, I think. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just say yeah, like that. Books, books are great because they, um, you know, it's it's a form of um, meditation, and um, you know they manipulate you. Uh, they they repeat the same thing over and over. Um, to the point where it, it buries itself into your belief systems in, in a way. And if you go and practice them, it will work. And that's the difference between a book and an article is that you'll read a three minute article and you go, Oh, that was interesting. And it's kind of gone. But if you read a book over a week, an hour a day or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, it really gets ingrained into your thinking a lot more. And I mean, lots of books I've forgotten about, but I, I find them much more powerful from a persuasive angle than, than, a, than a good article. Yeah, um, I, I would agree there for sure. Like it, it just resonates more because you're, I think you're, you're focusing more, your, your brain is going deeper into it, right? Versus an article, you kind of skim or just it and you're on your way. Yeah. And, and then actually it's probably, I'm being unfair to computers because when, you know, when you read that good article and you're like, oh my God, that, that nailed it. And you just get like three or four quotes that you, you need to copy and paste somewhere. <laughs> um, probably I should just read more in more in depth, but I'm, I'm a bit like a, I need inputs everywhere. So um, I'm reading articles, listening to podcasts, reading books, just yeah. anytime I get a minute. And I think I, I've got a really weird work cycle. Well, I'll do 10 or 15 minutes of super intense work. And then I need 10 or 15 minutes of, of looking at squirrels and, and whatever. Um, you know, so I'm just inputting every time I get a moment spare, you know, um, just trying to find new information. I love to know a little bit of everything about as many things as I can, just because that's who I am. Um, yeah. But it comes in handy. And, and yeah, I think you're totally right, isn't it? Like they say, like martial arts can all of a sudden just open up a new way of thinking because you're breathing and considering your movement. And if you help, you know, it's just all these things are great for, for being, a, being people, I guess. Now, do you, now that there, there's a, a, a debate around, you know, being a generalist or a specialist, do you have a, a preference or, a, or a, a perspective on that? Or do you, do you think it doesn't matter? It's just based on you know, what your focus is in life or, you know, what are your thoughts there? It's funny because I'm a really black and white thinker. Um, but every time I see other people doing it, it makes me really laugh. Um, you need both. I mean, they're both good. They're both amazing. Um, you know, without one, you'll have, you know, massive problems. Without the other, you'll have massive problems. Yeah. Um, I think your, you know, your leaders and your managers need to be generalists. Um, and the cross-functional teams need to be a collection of specialists. Um, that's a good way to put it. I like that. And, and I think that's how we work um, at MediaZoo is that, um, you know, I, I, I hopefully know a little bit about project delivery, about learning design, about filmmaking and animation and other bits like that. But then I have a team when they form a project who are specialist project managers, specialist learning consultants, specialist, um, you know, digital dev, specialist filmmakers. Um, 
and they come together um, and work collaboratively to solve a problem. So I'm, I'm approaching it very much from a, from a product design kind of approach, um, yeah. which I, th- I, I don't think goes down particularly well with some people in L&D and I understand why. But really, we're making usable things that solve problems, and that's what product designers do. Yeah, but I think um, that's what's missing from L&D, right? Like, uh, so I'm not from the L&D world, as you know, but at any time, like I've, I've been in, immersed in it for a number of years, and that's what I would always come in and see, and I would be like, well, you know, how are you aligning that? Like, who gives a shit about the new acronym or the new platform or the new whatever, the shiny ball, which seems to have the shiny ball syndrome, to your point, you got to deliver a product or a service and it's either making money, saving money or, or, you know, there, there's an outcome that's valuable to the the business because otherwise why are you around? Yeah. And I, I love the, you know, the product versus service idea because you can bring in the Apple and Google um, kind of approach. Yeah. Where, um, you know, Apple are delivering products. And so their kind of philosophy is about new ideas and pushing mm-hmm. the boundaries. Um, but they do that and then they test with clients, customers. Google's approach for service is making the right thing. So their world is about iterative A-B testing and, and continuous improvement. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really fascinating that they both have audience-centric design models, but it's where their audience come into play are, are slightly different. And, and we, um, we try and play with that approach with our clients saying, look, with the consultancy service, we'll do the Google approach. We'll try and iterate, iterate, iterate based on feedback. But if you want a really cool product, we need to do a, you know, um, a bit of creativity at the front end to really get something powerful that's going to um, change the the um, cha- change people's uh, perceptions, I guess. For sure. Um, and you're a big love. So, so with Apple Music, they both have you know big music stores, and I know you're a lover of music. Um, how does that help with you know the way you work and operate at MediaZoo? Um, you know, with your creative process, or or just how does it infuse your your way of working um at at MediaZoo means i've got albums i can put on headphones and block everyone out i guess um (laughs) um, i I think for me i i I play the guitar and have done and i i used to do that before i did work stuff Um, so the creativity of making things and creating and and seeing does that go with that and oh no it doesn't okay let's try something new it's just been great ingrained in my you know in the way i work ever since i was a kid so um i can't really explain what what the benefit is for me because i I see music um slightly differently than 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 others i guess we all we all see it but when i watch a band i'm i'm listening to each separate instrument and and sort of analyzing what they do and um which is a shame i've lost that i just like this song kind of approach but oh, I see. Yeah. You're, you're, are you always trying to like dissect it and break down, you know, all, all of the instruments or like, cause it, you, yeah. you see that with stories as well, where, you know, there's nine storylines that exist in the world or whatever, whenever they're making film or books. And so if you're with somebody who's hardcore into that, they kind of ruin going to the movies. And I'm not saying you ruin music, but um, do you find yeah. that that's a challenge for you uh, to just simply enjoy music? Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really hard for me, but then I think I enjoy listening to it in that way. But you know, because um, I can't listen to the Beach Boys without going minor seven because Brian Wilson just sprinkles minor seven chords everywhere. Um, ah. and, and, but, but that's my way of enjoying music. So, um, you know, and I think that's, what, that's what's great about music is that it's open for everyone to interpret it how they like. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, part of, part of how I like to view work as well because 
we need to make things a bit more um sorry that was my phone um very unprofessional that's that's sort of me in a nutshell um <laughs> you know we need to look more at consumer-based um and what we do in the world um yeah. it, you know because if we're really honest about human-centered design and i'm i'm sorry i'm, I'm using that that i'm i'm really into it is that we need to look beyond being at work um as yeah. a separate thing from life and um i'm not saying that we work should blend into life but it is and it has done um yeah so let's let's make it easier and less painful and how like do you have uh like two or three top bands or or, or musics that uh genres that you would say you know when i when i slap on my headphones and i you know you want to get into the process or maybe it's you know when you're having a, a team-based you know design session you have this cranked is do you have any that you would you know that's in your top three that are, are always on or, or, is, or is there too many to, to pick from? There's, I mean, it's probably a bit embarrassing this. Um, I like to say I've got a huge, you know, range of music. Interestingly. So when I'm, when I'm trying to write, I always listen to Baroque music. Um, and because I read years and years ago about accelerated learning, um, that 60 BPM music actually um, calms your nervous system and, and helps you concentrate. And all Baroque music is 60 BPM. That's um, very interesting. And, and funnily enough, all Baroque is the same structure as well. Um, so it, it basically, you can just switch off your mind and it just plays in the background. Um, and I found it really, really helpful to just block everything out and be able to write. Um, so that's my, my work hack. Um, but Spotify just did their, you know, the year in re review. And one of them was, they had the artist of the decade. So the most listened to artist over the last 10 years. And mine was Weezer, oh, nice. <laughs> which is kind of, you know, uh, it looks like I haven't grown up because, um, <laughs> are you still stuck in the nineties with the blue album? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I never, I never got over them splitting up before their tour came to the UK. Um, <laughs> when their second album came out. Um, but, um, yeah, it's fascinating. It's, it's ever since 2015, apparently I got back into them and have been listening to them loads. Um, but my other, my other big love, um, that I always go back to is the Beach Boys, um, big fan of vocal harmonies. And that's probably where the Weezer thing comes from as well, because they, they stole a lot of their ideas, um, from that way, very interesting chord progressions and, you know, really, um, clever vocal melodies with, with lots of harmonies. That's my, that sort of, that really gets me going. Very cool. Ironically, I was listening to the Beach Boys like a week or two ago. And I saw them in concert once in, in Toronto here. They were, they were invited, uh, we were invited out by parents of a friend of mine who just happened to have extra tickets. And we're like, you know, what the hell, let's go see the Beach Boys, iconic band, let's do this. And we did, and we had a hell of a time doing it. It was, a, it was great fun and it was uh, in an open stadium. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's they're, cool. they're, yeah. they're great to listen to. Yeah, I, I went to see, um, Brian Wilson did the Pet Sounds tour, 50 year anniversary. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think I saw it five times. Um, over about two years, um, I'm a, yeah, I'm a bit, bit of a bit of a fanboy. So uh, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. What are you listening to these days? What am I listening to these days? I have an, a I have a very wide range. So I, I appreciate, I guess, all types of music. When I'm really getting into deep thinking, I will listen to um, classical music. And I'll put, uh, so there's these playlists on Apple Music that basically have like playlists for studying or, or deep thoughts. So I'll, I'll put that on and it keeps kind of my, my brain at ease because 
Um, it's very hard for my brain to turn off. Um, I'm always thinking and, you know, so I meditate or listen to that. So that, um, I'll listen to that. If I really want to, you know, get pumped up, I'll listen to dead Mao if I'm, you know, cruising along with work and I, I don't need quite a, a level of concentration. Um, so that's, uh, and then all time favorites, you know, Zeppelin and, and the white stripes from a rock standpoint and then beastie boys. Um, I, I've listened to all three of those bands for a, a very, very, very long time. Um, and so I enjoy the music of all three of those that they just, it's, it's all mood based. So I'm entirely mood based. So I'm in one mood, I'll pick a type of music to listen to. So if it's very chill, I'll be listening to country at home. If it's, you know, if it's something where I want to get a little amped up before a session. So today I was, I was listening to Zeppelin immigration song, immigrant song before, before we got on here today. So it was, uh, it was fitting. It was, a, it was a good, uh, good lead into this morning. So. That's cool. You know, every time I uh, think about Zeppelin, it takes me to um, High Fidelity, uh, mm. Nick Hornby book, and they do the <laughs> first first track, first album. Yeah. And Good Times, Bad Times by Led Zeppelin. Oh, such a good song. Like that, that's the best first track on the first album ever, I think. Um, that drumming, you know, like, I think, I, I, I don't know, I think that's the first time you had triplets on a bass drum. Um, it's, such a, it's such a powerful, powerful track, like really just goes go straight in um we should have done this about music <laughs> well i guess well there you go we have our next we have our next session we're just going to talk music and i'm going to have yeah. to really really pull up my socks for that one so that i can try and stay in in conversation with you <laughs> oh no, i'm I, I i like what i like i mean i didn't even know that dead mouth was pronounced like that so i'm i thanks i've learned something today I'm like dead mouse five, dead mouse. I don't know. It's, it's supposed to be dead mouse, I think, in the end. Yeah. But I, I, it's uh, yeah. He's from Toronto Bay, so I should know it more. I, I just know he has like four or five tracks in his essentials for Apple Music, and yeah. they just they just ring home. And I would listen to those um, quite a bit in the last year, actually. And I just kind of went off him a bit, but uh, I think it is dead mouse now. And I'm gonna get <laughs> shit by my friends who who know about it and are gonna give me the gears for mispronouncing something, but. That, that's life I, i'm i'm constantly being told i'm wrong in some form or other so <laughs> it's fine you're not publishing this in a public place so uh, no absolutely I not i don't have nothing to worry about <laughs> yeah so so we could just sum this up of like be better at learning and let's and go listen to music <laughs> that's it if you want to be better at learning just go listen to music yeah, avoid, avoid every other platform I mean, to be fair, I'm not far from that now. It's like, don't worry about it. It will take care of itself. Um, just, just, be good at, just be good at your job. <laughs> and then go and chill out. Yeah, that sounds glorious. People do need to chill out more. Yeah, they also need to, to, to just try a little bit harder sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you know, do you find think, that? So, so how is that with like, cause like this whole persistence and discipline thing? Because I, I wanted to write about these like, you know, survival tactics, if you will, that you need to to be better in the working world and so you don't need to know like a specific you know skill per se but you need to learn how to be persistent and like it sounds you know a little lame but work hard um you know some of those like core things learn how to problem solve learn how to you know you know go through the mud a bit if you will and come out the other side like a bit of the you know you have to go through it and live it a bit yeah it's like when it's like it goes back to learning to learn um mm. you know i, I love this uh, a book I read um, called Natural Born Learners, where um, this English author, was an ex-teacher, goes and meets different people from around the world and looks at what they're doing for the future of education, really. So different models and styles. And, and the great thing is it's not all tech. Um, and he goes, he goes to a school in Finland 
and the head teacher there just talks about learning as a model as a triangle and I, I've, I've totally stolen it it's that you've got your knowledge thinking and doing um, and you know the creativity comes from thinking skills and doing combined so kids should go out and practice and play um, and he said you know but the only way you'll learn is by getting things wrong um, but you need to learn early on that getting things wrong is okay and that's building the resilience so that you get back up and, and do it again so uh, you know uh, resilience is such a buzzwordy thing at the minute as well uh, and grit it and, is. and, oh, and yes. I think I love um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by now this research that's challenging the growth mindset but I'm sort of so ambivalent about it because it can't be a bad thing but um, you know it's so true you've just got to practice and practice and get it wrong and realize that um, you know getting it wrong isn't the end of the world but no depends on what time of the day it is what day of the week it is I'll be there going oh my god it's all ruined um, <laughs> the sky <yeah>. is falling <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm I'm really lucky that I just have a there's just a drive in me where uh, you know it, it's it's probably it's probably driven by negative forces but I just always want to to push and change and, and look and try I'm never comfortable where I'm at um, so, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, but what it has done is always propelling me forward to new things. Um, yeah. so I, I, I'm not the, I'm pretty, you know, as a leader, it's quite bad. It's sort of, I, I really have to fight my natural urge, which is you either on my bus or off the bus, um, and take people on the journey. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, it's sort of like, for me, just learning stuff is how I've always been. So I just, I don't understand why other people wouldn't want to do that. Um, but you know, that's, that's luckily that I'm not in the, in the kind of world where I'm trying to help people um, change their minds on that. But, um, <laughs> but, but you are doing some writing now, right? So it's, you know, like, and you have, you have more time for writing. And so it, it allows you to, to convey that message a little bit more. Yes. Or like, what are your, you know, what, what are you going to start to write a little bit more about now and into 2020, given, you know, some of these perspectives and, and your time that's been afforded to, to do that writing? Yeah, I've been really lucky that I've just got an awesome number two in, in Hannah, my colleague, who um, she's really keen to take over the team and kick me out. Um, and, and, that's, and now I'm, I'm there, yeah, sort of looking at new products, the future of the business, what are we going to look like in five and ten years? And a lot of that is about reading research um, and, and writing and crafting the vision and, and stories for the future. And so, yeah, I'm just seeing all this stuff, which is really cool. And before I just had my head in, you know, projects, clients and, and, yeah. and things like that. I didn't get a chance to really filter it. So at the minute I'm just doing kind of reporty stuff where I'm looking at trends between different things, but um, I want to write some fun stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a big thing about, you know, I really want to look at how poor is engagement in L&D and what's the actual wider impact of that from employee engagement and your employee experience and can we actually see any trends that that are you know um true you know uh, that we can explain as 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 um what's the word i guess not believable but we can show that actually like you know this, this is this is something that we should pay attention to that i, I really feel that the current model of lnd is a damaging impact on the way we work because i've worked at corporates and i've experienced it and it made me not want to you know, be at work because I didn't really enjoy the job. And then I got a lot of training that I had to do that was even worse. And, you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, uh, well, a snowball effect. Um, in, in that context, and this is going to, you know, I, I think L&D could go away in most organizations. <laughs> I think it would, it would have a net zero impact in a lot of places. Um, yep. 
And I have, I have a, a bad habit of highlighting the negative because I, I, I'm so driven by you've got to highlight your own fallibility to, to improve. Sure. Um, but there are, there are going to be people who are doing it well. And, and I know there of are. Of course. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm sort of, I, I think that when I'm talking that they know that, that I'm not talking about them. But then the, the, the irony of that is that I am talking about the others who aren't self-aware enough to realize that I'm talking about them. Um, so there's a really big um, world to get through and, and I'm certainly not going to fix it. But you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to have some fun and um, nice. explore it and poke it. Um, because what well, I'm, I'm going to learn as I write, I think. Um, so, but yeah, I think every time you, if you ask me that every week, I'll have a different idea of what I want to do. One week it'll be something fun and, and, and kind of playful. The other week it'll be something quite, you know, um, stab the, stab the lion and, and try and get people talking and just, you know, generate, um, conversation around something that I don't necessarily think is, is right or, so it's something that I, I disagree with, but I don't have the answer for. Um, and, and so I just want to be a provocateur, which is a, quite a lazy answer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I think it's cool, though, because like you have the background of, you know, working it in the, the, the business world, if you will, it, you know, and you get to then have the time to actually think, which is what most people are jealous of, that they don't have time to think, right? That's always the we're too busy of a world. Nobody can shut off. And so you almost get the best of both worlds there where, yeah, you get to be the individual who gets to write and, you know, think a bit and have the, have, have the openness to do that. But in the same token, you know, there, there will be eventually accountability to deliver on stuff um, in some capacity or another. Right. Oh God. Yeah. I wish I was just being paid to be a philosopher, um, <laughs> but you know, I think we're all paid to think. And, and that's the bit that, that, we, that I'd love to get across to, to people is, yeah. You know, it's with the team, we just do these drills about stop, breathe, right now go and, and, you know, do it. Cause when we rush, we do it twice every time. It's, it's like without fail, it's like clockwork, you know, ah, something's gone wrong, right? Fix it, fix it, fix it. Yeah. And then we, we publish it and we have to refix it. Um, but if we just plan and take a little bit longer, it takes the same amount of time as doing it twice, but we do it properly. Um, and, and that's where, uh, you know, we've all got the space and time. It's about choosing to, 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 to grasp it. I've just got very existential there. You know, um, life is to be lived, um, you know, and you need to, no one's going to give you the time. And I think that's the, that's a bit huge business being, it's mm-hmm. being driven by your own purpose. Um, and, and having a strong sense of, of why you're there, because that's the only way that you're going to, to find the energy to do things like create the time or put in, um, that little bit more effort when it's, you know when you're really up against it um because you'll see that you'll see the um you'll pay dividends afterwards but you've got to get through it to get there yeah and, and how do you think uh like like so you mentioned motivation earlier on in the, in the podcast and, and it's kind of coming around again do you have a suggestion as to how somebody could um understand truly what their own motivations are right so it's like a digging deep exercise perhaps uh, and I don't, I'm not trying to give the answer, but like, is it, do you have you know ways that people can understand it? Cause a lot of times things are being masked as something else, right? Like, you know, anger is always a mask for fear, but you know, so do you have something in similar context where if somebody doesn't, you know, understand their motivations or are looking to do that and grow what, what they could, what, could, what they can do? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really 
in sort of nuanced topic. Um, you know, there, there's some triggers, like you say, that anger is a mask for something. Blame language is usually a lack of capability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some triggers that you can really point on, but you can't beat communication and conversation. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and as a line manager, um, I'm, it's not my natural skill set at all. I had to learn all of it. Um, is just talk to your team. And, and if you care about who they are as people, um, you'll put in the time to practice having the one-to-ones and the conversations to start yeah. to learn who they are. Um, you know, and, and, and then you'll one, get to trust each other. So some of that comes out, but two, you're both practicing having searching conversations so that people who aren't used to having the permission to share or to explore or to say their, their views will slowly over time learn to do it. So collaboration, communication and time are always useful, but I think there's a lot to be said as well for really good facilitators, um, business psychologists, journalists who are able to ask the searching questions that, that get people to really pause and think, um, you know, and again, that's, that's a practice skill. Um, and and why yeah. is that so important? Like the facilitation piece, like, because the, that's an often dismissed, um, role or, or, and it is vital, but like, why, why do you think that the facilitation and, and those question areas are so important? Well, uh, I should ask you that as a consultant, right? Um, <laughs> look at the brief that you receive, versus the um, plan that you'd create after a workshop with the client. Yep. How different that is following two or three hours of conversation and questioning. You know, it, it helps us explore areas um, and it's a skill. Um, directional questioning that is, you know, somewhat objective, but, but, but leading to a, an outcome. Um, you know, performance consulting, I guess, is a very good example of that. Is critical in identifying the reason to stuff for stuff to happen and and yeah that's where i think journalists psychologists do that for a living yeah because they're trying to get answers to deeper questions um you know a, 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 a psychologist is obviously looking for the emotion behind the statement the journalist is looking for the reality behind the phrase or you know what's he really saying um or how can i um, how can I help them release more information than they're giving me? Um, so yeah, for me, it's about conversation and it's not about a framework of six questions that you ask. It's about, you know, it's about really giving a shit and, and, and trying yes. to, to, to work <clears throat> at it and, and you might have to go back at it and then you have to analyze what you've got <laughs> and then ask more. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really it's one of those things. I think it's 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 a simple set of things to do, but it's it's hard to get right. So you just got to um, yeah. Simplicity is always the hardest piece to get to, right? Because it involves so many things to get to the level to that level of simplicity. I, yeah, I think simplicity is the greatest innovation um, because we we naturally overcomplicate things. Because, like I said earlier, it helps us hide behind it. I think. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's my personal view. Um, and I, you know, so if you can explain it to a three-year-old, it's like, you know, to be able to teach something is proof that you understand it. And I think there's so yeah. much in that, that me spurting off a load of technical topics, uh, technical headers about learning or design or theory or whatever, um, isn't beneficial to anyone, but being able to explain it to a line manager, um, in the form of, we are going to do this exercise because it will help someone perform better. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. Yeah, I agree. Like that, that whole notion of actually giving a shit too is huge, right? Like the fact, <clears throat> like it's, it's easily and vividly seen when somebody cares about something and they're engaged and when they don't, like it's night and day, right? Like, and so I, I think that's a, a huge piece. And yeah, 
Yeah, I think in L and D we've we've you've got that because yeah. the passion's there on whichever it side of, of the field you're in and, and yeah. you know, whatever we believe in and what where we think our core background and, and direction is. Mm-hmm. The fun thing that I can say about everybody is they're you know, fiercely passionate about what they do. Um it's how we channel it, I guess. Um Well and a lot of that is, right? Like they some some don't know like it's it's the unknown unknowns. They don't know what they don't know, exactly. and they've been only given or spoon fed <clears throat> very limited focuses. And so if they don't think outside of those areas, or, or um, they're not at a capacity or capability to be shown where to do that, and you know for whatever the reasons may be, then obviously it limits it limits their their perspectives and how they can view the world. Uh, which which brings up a, I just had an interesting question around this. So you mentioned filmmakers and animators and you know you have a whole variety of individuals that work on your team at media zoo and you know one of the things that i find that people think about with l d and learning in the working world is that they assume it's the you know the the mandatory training like the and i'm going to call it shit the the you know compliance training that in some cases it's it's needed and it's warranted it's by law but it's not done well but most people assume that <clears throat> all learning is done in that manner. And I know there are audiences that are, are shifting uh, away from that now, obviously, you know, and those who are in the learning world know about a plethora of things, but most assume that in the business world that L and D is that like click next type training. Like I go in, I go into my learning portal or whatever, I click on a class, it pops up and I do this e-learning thing. Um, but it's much more than that, right? Can you, can you go into like a, a quick example because you guys have won, you know, tons of awards and done, you know, amazing, you know, illustrative and, and learning experiences. Maybe you can go into, you know, why it's not just simply uh, that click next training and, and that training really needs to die, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's been like that since 2003, since I was in the workforce. Um, I mean, anyone who's done it will tell you, right? That's um, why am I clicking through something to read when I could just read a PDF? Um, you know, there's so many weird assumptions we make and none of this has been tested with users. Um, so I think the reality is that um, you can transfer information in a whole load of ways and it's useful to, um, you know, use film and animation to get across meanings and ideas and stories and things like that mm-hmm. and culture. Um, it is a proven format that people will um, take things from. Um, if you use it carefully and you make quality content with good narrative, um, you, you know, you could, you, film becomes a really, really useful asset in a toolbox. Uh, I mean, for me, what I, so what we tend to use film for is emotion. It, it's perfect to yeah. use human stories. Animation is really good for slightly more complex models and, and showing things like that. Um, but also, you know, the, the, the blended approach, you know, and, and um, it's just about creating a, 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 a world of content in, in some ways so that you aren't looking at one thing and it's done. You're, you're you know, we're, we're using the marketing idea where you get the message out in so many different ways um, that it just reinforces it subtly and, and subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... The, the fact that that, that approach is, is really useful, but, but also, it, you know, it's as simple as do you want to have seven cl- things all the, the same um, or we can have a, a range of different assets. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to, to explain, I think, but for, for us, what we tend to do is, um, you know, look at 
it's learning in the flow of work. Ah, I said that, didn't I? But um, <laughs> yeah, you, you did. Know, what's your job? What are you trying to do? Yeah. Okay, cool. How can we support you being as invisible as possible? Um, and and just so happens that we can use film um, very easily to make short two minute bits of information, and then get your manager to follow up and go, cool, right? You know, how have you practiced that? And then or get people together for a coffee morning, get them to talk about their experiences of that, you know, and bring in. Um, the reality of your role mixed, mixed in with that little bit of information we, we gave you, um, you know, that, that's handy for when people know what they're doing already. Um, powerful. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and th- the thing for us though, is that there is no right solution because every, every problem is unique. So it, it's kind of, I'm, I'm so vague about it all because every time I go to a client, I'm going in with a blank sheet of paper. Um, and but so you, sh- so you should, right? Because then you, you don't have the, the negative mental models or, you know, you know, the, the bad patterns or, or just whatever, any pattern whatsoever, because, you know, subconsciously you're going to just look to those patterns and try and, you know, you know, we talked about this before, find the easy way out. Right. And so yeah. in, in some cases that, that is a way to go and other, but in most cases you want to have that blank slate, I would think so that you keep an open mind because then that might generate an idea or you might discover a new problem or, you know, you might get to, to know faster in another scenario. Yeah. And I'm such a big fan of, of Tim Brown at IDEO. And, you know, yeah. he says the first thing they do is assume the problem they're given isn't the right problem. And, and I, it just blew my mind when, they, when I heard him say that. Yeah. Um, and, and we really approach our, our work like that now. It's like, cool. Uh, the first thing we're going to do is reframe this and, and work out and dig in and find the root cause and it goes back to the cares so you know use things like five whys um and you know um uh the other thing that elon musk does um you know if this is true what also what also must be true and and um really get to the to the um the, the real cause not the symptom of the problem and so often that that question leads to you know we need sales training uh cool but if you ask them to go through the sales process oh yeah no they they'd know it and it's like, so they, they don't need training. They need a culture shift. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's obviously a very different argument, but more and more we're creating campaigns to change culture, not to train people because actually people are very capable um, and they do their jobs every day. Um, I don't work, you know, we don't particularly work with particularly technical clients or, or areas right now. So obviously there aren't, I'm not working with people who will kill people if they get things wrong, um, which is, <laughs> it, that takes a slightly different approach. Yeah. Um, but either way, I think the assumption that, you know, someone always leveled this at me with um, talking about agile and iterative development. And they said, you know, and I'm saying that, you know, failure is okay as long as you know what you were trying to achieve. And someone right. says, yeah, but what about a doctor? Um, and it's just like, you know, it's like, it's a fair point, but do you think that all training is effective for medical people right now? Because if it was, people wouldn't die. Um, exactly. So we, we live in this false belief that what we're doing works. Um, and that, that by prototyping or, you know, or, or using a test group is really bad, but it's like, but at the minute you're just launching it once and never going back and assuming it worked. So what's worse, uh, finding out that it doesn't work or pretending it didn't or pretending it did work. Yeah. Yeah. You, the, the, there's no, there's no perfect answer and you need to, you need to do some sort of iterative growth in that, in that perspective, like regardless of the situation, right? Obviously there's more, yeah. there's more maybe risk adversity with, things that are more life threatening, but that's how 
human evolution has worked. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting into the scientific method. And the point of the scientific method is to reduce the risk. Yeah. So yeah, you have a structure. Hypothesis, yeah. 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 Um, and you, so you go, okay, my hypothesis is this, I, I need to test this. How can I do it? So it's as least dangerous as possible. And yeah. so it's, it's just about being considered and planning your approach. Um, but the best thing for us is how do we put a fixed budget on that? Um, <laughs> because, uh, we looked at pure agile and obviously for software companies, it's an open-ended, um, bill. You keep working until it's finished. You don't put a time on it because you yeah. can't manage you know, it could sprints get the velocity grows and you can get more done. And, you know, and so you don't, you can't say this is a 12 week job or whatever, but, but with our world with clients, we have to come in and go, you've got 30, 40 K, whatever. Um, we'll deliver it in X number of weeks. Um, and we have to, um, this is why we, we have a really heavily adapted version of agile, uh, that we call adaptive agile that flexes a lot because, um, we, you know, we can't do that purity of it. We have to work within the constraints of what our client will offer us. And you find you implement like a prioritization model or something there for that, because like that, that is an exercise that you have to go through with budget. It's always, it's always the, the conundrum of saying, well, you have a budget of whatever X number of dollars and it, you have a time, you may or may not have a time box. Um, and then there's an expected, well, this is our ask. And this is what we need you to deliver. And so it's, it's always a, a piece where there, there eventually is a prioritization exercise that has to take place, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, part of our model is having really good consultants um, yeah. who are able to um, estimate on the fly, uh, you know, for, to, to use the kind of the, 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 the agile language. Mm -hmm. But part of what we do is we'll do pre-consultancy, do a proposal, with the cost in it, which, which is based on one of our developers or, or consultants saying, yeah, it will take me this long to build that. Yeah. Um, when we go to actual dev and kickoff, we will, we'll do, we do two workshops. The first one is audience and outcomes. And we, we get, we don't talk about content at all in that. And it's purely about what are you trying to achieve? What do you want people to do? You know, what will success look like and how do we measure it? And then who the audience are, what, you know, their fears, their loves, what they do well, what they don't do well, all that, all that kind of story. Yeah. Um, but then it's the second workshop where we build a backlog, which is the, the you know, like your, your list of headers. Yep. And we prioritize it in, in the order that, that we're going to hit it. And we kind of agree that, okay, we're going to kick off. We've got these 12 things. We're going to build that in five weeks. Um, that's what we promise to you. Um, mm -hmm. And you can be as flexible as you want within it. And then what the client can do is add or remove things from that backlog or reprioritize at any point. And we just basically go and, and each, each sprint, um, we pick, you know, the top ones that haven't been done off the list of that prioritized list. Um, and what sort of happens is the client will add tasks and bits and we'll argue about, does it, you know, we've got the objectives written on the wall and does it hit those? Yeah. Um, and that's a really good way of managing the scope. Um, but ultimately we'll, we'll, we're, we're very open. We, we try and, you know, we pride ourselves on being really, really, really flexible and you can create anything you want when we're, we're in these sprints. But there comes a stage where we say, right, look, we said we'd build that. You've added six more items. We're not going to do them all. Do you want to remove, uh, reprioritize, or buy more time? Um, yeah. And so it becomes a conversation. And it's transformed the way we work and, and sort of how, how our clients, you know, the relationships we have with them. And it's so much more collaborative and, and not combative. And, and we're not arguing about who did what and, and who needs to pay for what. And, you know, it's... Um, when it works, it's, it's um, you know, the kind of thing that you want to write a case study about and shout about. 
but then when it goes wrong it's one of the most painful things ever yeah double-edged sword well but that's great though right because i, I love this example like and the and like the real world use that you you know you're practicing an adaptive form of agile and it's outside of tech like you have tech obviously and you utilize tech but um it's more in in the context of a media agency or a media company um, yeah i mean we're, we're a production company yeah. you know essentially so the consultancy and our creative is kind of you know almost free within our price right. um you know uh, you know for want of a better term we're selling products you know really um and, and it's really interesting um how we you know making sure that we fit in the, the a reasonable amount of analysis that's cost effective for us and our clients right for what they do um what we ne you know what we don't want to do is is take a brief and build what the client asks for because that wouldn't sit right with me um because i don't you know i think companies that do that you know I, there's a few words choice words i could use um <laughs> well it's the whole contractor model right i'm hiring you to build the shed build the shed don't ask questions right like it's yeah yeah and i think that's part of the reason why we're where we're at you know with the industry which is smart and, and you guys have won truckloads of awards for it, right? So the proof is, the proof is in the practice. <laughs> yeah. I think for us, the proof is in repeat business without any marketing. Um, yeah, that's huge. All of our growth is organic. Um, oh, that's amazing. We're just, you know, I, I just put out a kind of report that I just gingerly put on LinkedIn. Yeah. This is kind of the first ever thing of, you know, marketing we've ever really created. Um, so, we obviously make little videos and bits and pieces and, and, and we put social posts up, but we've never ever done any, you know, concerted effort into promoting our brand. Um, so the fact that we've grown in the way we have without doing that, I think, you know, speaks volumes about the quality of what we do and the care and the, the relationships we have. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, and we'll, we'll, we'll share that as well. I'll have that in the show notes. So, um, that's uh, that's all the time we have for today. So uh, thank you again, uh, Matt, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Uh, really amazing conversation. Uh, did you have any last closing thoughts? I kind of leave it open. If anyone, you know, if the guests would like to, to share anything before they go, um, if not, you know, thank you again for joining and, and we'll conclude today's podcast. Yeah, um, I probably probably not much to say. Thanks. You just put me on the spot there. Nah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, well, I hope the next time we speak, it's in person. Um, and and um, yes, you know, I, I think that that all you got to do is just go out and try these things. That's that's all I'd say is is um, don't be afraid to to pick up, uh, you know, start reading about a new topic and, and play with it because that's how I've learned everything that I do. Um, and also, anyone, you know, I'm. I'm more than happy to talk to anyone i love i love um conversations like this so um you know if anyone wants to ask questions challenge point point out where you know made mistakes or missed things or, or got suggestions then yeah i'd love to hear from people and where's the best place to reach them we'll, we'll put it in the show notes but just on here where where would you prefer people to reach out to you um i'm not really on much social media so linkedin um i'm pretty active on so that's that's the place to get me cool. um all right well thank you very much again uh really good conversation we'll definitely have more i definitely have to make it over to the uk to see you and hopefully that will be uh, will be sooner than later so anyways thank you very much for your time and uh, that's it for today everyone um, stay tuned for our next episode